Hello and welcome to the Heads Up Podcast. Uh, two in one week, pretty good going. Uh, first time in a long time we've done that. I'm here with Peter Morris, Hello. who's also here for the second time in uh, in one week, um, as we just did the Oscars podcast last week. Uh, Peter is the film editor of HeadsUp.org, as many of you probably know, and he's an all-around good guy. <laughs> so we just talked to Niall McGann. Um, who, great guy. Oh, great guy. Yeah. Uh, very sound, uh, great talker. Uh, this is a brilliant interview. Um, talked all about um, documentaries, documentaries, um, uh, Karl Marx got in there Karl Marx got in <clears throat> he snuck in somehow uh, just creativity money how to make kind of money as a mm. creative or being on the dole or how all the industries are, are fucked or are they maybe we figure it out mm. um, so uh, yeah he, he's he's a director he's a documentary writer and director and uh, his film Lost in France uh, which which Peter can uh, what what is Lost in France well, yeah Lost in France it's a uh, very very good music documentary um, about the kind of independent Scottish music scene especially around Glasgow in the mid 90s and kind of looking at a couple of bands there like Mogwai Delgado's Arab Strap yeah looking at the label the Chemical Underground Underground, which kind of had all those kind of really cool bands on it Um, and in the documentary they travel back to France to recreate a gig that they played in 1997 and it's Moron Moron (laughs) And it's um, it's it's a great documentary, really, really interesting, yeah. and uh, a very good look at, at how the scene has changed in in those in those in those twenty years. It's it's yeah. completely different now. It's a very good film. Yeah, and you should definitely go see it. Uh, if you're in Dublin, it's on this Friday, the third of March, in the IFI at quarter past six p.m. And then afterwards, there's a, a gig in the Workmen's with uh, some of the artists that you see in in the in the film or M Hubbard and um it's it's going to be it's going to be a class night so don't go home straight from work to that film <laughs> uh, and and enjoy it um if you can't make that it's on in the IFI on Saturday at 226 uh, if you're in Cork it's on in Cork on Saturday at 6:30 p.m. in the gate and then there's an after party with the same musicians in Lep uh, there's a bus going out there. There's a bus going out so and back all the way. And back, so that's going to be class. Um, or if you're in Galway, it's on Sunday the 5th of March in the iCinema at half six and there's a gig on afterwards in the Roisin Dove. Um, if you're in any of those cities, just just yeah. definitely go out and see it. It's a great film. It's a great film. The artists are brilliant. The musicians yeah, are class. Yeah. And, you know, as, as you'll hear him speaking about in this podcast, people need to get out and support these things. So get out support now again support the art support the film support musicians and have a good time so here we go this is the interview with Nal McCann one of the class members I had got an argument with her about how she said documentaries were truth mm. and it's you know they're, they're about, there's more truth in a fiction film yeah 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 it's um. I just people think you know if you see someone say something in a documentary, it must be true. I think that's amazing. You can have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of. I was going to go back and kind of start off the early days of it. And Flaherty as well. Like yeah, all that yeah, was. It's all bullshit. It's right? all bullshit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, the bit apparently in Man of Iron is it Man of Iron? Yeah. Where the woman falls in the in the sea, a wave hits her or something. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And Flaherty w- wanted your man to leave her, like she might die sort of job. Yeah. You know, but your man goes back and gets her. But it was. And same with the Nanook in the North, yeah. the one they're all that's they're all stage like yeah, yeah, it's all yeah, stage, yeah. yeah. So But then there are some of the ones I really like the guys, the um like the Mesa Brothers oh, yeah. and those, the direct yeah. cinema stuff from the sixties yeah. and But even they used to go, Well, we'll do this take again and get yeah. the guys to do it again. Yeah, yeah. So it yeah. is interesting. It's never truly it's never truly Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah, yeah. Did you see that um Louis Theroux one about Scientology? I did, yeah. I didn't know what was going on there now. It no, was I thought it was, uh, it was an interesting film about form. 
Mm. But like, surely you just lot watched that um, uh, uh, Gibney yeah, one. Alex and Gibney went, one. Because I it's kept on going, oh, I met, oh, yeah, they're from that Alex <laughs> yeah, Gibney yeah. one, you know? I finished it, I watched, watched it with my wife, and I said to her afterwards, I was like, you should probably just watch the Alex Gibney yeah. one, and you get a much better picture of you it. You do, you've learned the whole thing. It yeah. was it was interesting seeing how much of a lunatic that guy, um, except Mc Savage. Yeah, yeah, You got yeah. a good idea of it from the... yeah. You know the the him playing him, sort of the actors playing him. Yeah. But it was a weird, weird film. It was a guy. It was a bizarre kind of setup to do it. Yeah. Same with Louis through being let loose and all the Savile, uh, Savile victims. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, he, I don't think he should be allowed to talk to him about this. You know, on TV and like after what happened, weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I like Louis, but I didn't realize the Scientology one was out. It's released. Well, we might. I think one of the lads uh, <laughs> proven to put my point, my point here. One of the lads in the house illegally downloaded. I think. Oh, very bold. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. that's what the sort of film I'd never. I wouldn't. I don't. Certain films, I don't. Films are different, but music, like it's fucking killed the, mu- the music industry. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. It really has. Like yeah. Hubby, um, Hubby just like says it's fucked. Like all the guys just say it's over. You know, as we know it anyway, or mm. the, the sort of industry we knew growing up. Yeah, that's what the films about. You know, some sort of change probably. But something's got to change. You need to monetize streaming and uh, Spotify. Like they don't. They pay the guys get like a few cent. It's, and yeah, it's nothing. Like, like apparently, yeah. if you sat there, one of the guys told me, if you sat there playing your own music all day, you'd still make no money. Mm. You know, you need massive. Even Radiohead probably don't get that much money. Yeah, they yeah. just fleece people when they go to gigs. <laughs> but even Radiohead, well, I suppose at least they're trying to do something a bit different with their album yeah. releases and different yeah. stuff like that. But the average pay was fifty p, I think, for that. Was album. It? Yeah, something. Yeah. For for the um, in rainbows. Isn't it? In rainbows. I thought yeah. they made more money from that album. Oh really? Than, the possibly did. Yeah, the possibly. I don't know. I just thought, yeah. thought someone said that to me. Yeah. That's interesting. We both heard something different. We might as well just keep going. Well, no, we I just, are here yeah, anyway. we just go to where yeah. we are anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so, this, so the voices you're hearing there are um, this is Peter Morris here uh, on my left. Uh, he's the film editor of Headstuff.org, and our um, resident documentary expert. Uh, and we also have uh, Niall McGann, who Hello. is the uh, director of the upcoming uh, documentary Lost in France. When is it actually coming out? Well, it was screened last Tuesday, twenty um, first in the I, in the I five. But that was we were over in Glasgow for the launch. And it was, um, I think they call it simulcast into mm. like 40 cinemas around the UK and Ireland. But I call it Skype. All right, okay. So like, yeah. <laughs> okay, right. So you were just talking about Hubby there, R.M. Hubbard. Yeah, R.M. Uh, Hubbard. So he's obviously one of the, the main features of, of the film. Yeah, um, and his story's pretty important to it. Yeah, yeah. I actually interviewed him two years ago for, for the site. Uh, he's a very interesting guy. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, it's, it's mad to hear him say that the, the music is, it's the end kind of. And yeah, it's kind of what the film is about in a way. It is, yeah. It, I suppose it's about... Um, um, by using the two different dates that we discussed in the film, like the mid '90s and now, you really get a picture of the you know, the, you can draw parallels between what's happened and the industry's changed completely um, in the 20 years that you know our, my film documents. And um, you've um, like someone told me that when the Emma Pollock in the film said to me that record sales are 10 percent of what they were 10 years ago, and at that point they were 10 percent of what they were in the mid '90s. Yeah. So like the the bottom's really fallen out of it big time, mm-hmm. and. It, it, it's fine for people in the film. Like we've obviously got peop- different characters in the film. So you have Franz Ferdinand, uh, lead singer Alex Kapranis, mm-hmm. and you know they're huge, yeah. massive in America. So he's fine. Mogwai are pretty big. Yeah, mm-hmm. like they make a living off it. But then on the other hand, you have people like um, Hobby or yeah. M. Hubbard and Emma Pollock who used to be in Delgados, and they really struggle. Yeah, like Emma's first solo tour of Ireland is coming up this weekend because we're bringing her over. Okay, and um, I'm not sure if. If Oren Herbert would play Cork or Galway ever again, because it's not financially viable for him. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was. He when I was interviewing him, he was here a couple of years ago, yeah. and I think it was 
it was a struggle to sell the tickets. It was nearly, yeah. I, and and he's brilliant. And he's brilliant, yeah. yeah. Like some, as someone said to me, he's like the bastard child of John Martin. And he's like this, um, <laughs> but he really is a talented guy. And I think, as well, the whole, like, he, these people take music seriously. And I suppose it must be difficult for them to have started out when you could make a living off it. And now... And it's not, it's a cultural thing too, but the the arts have become a hobby. It's sort of like people see them as being, you know, oh, you have a job and then you'll do your art thing in the afternoon or whatever. Mm. But it used to be, people used to see the arts as a viable, mm. um, you know, career option, or career's not a good word, but, you know, yeah. a, a viable way of making a living. And people made good livings off it. Mm. Like, uh, my first film was about a guy called Luke Haynes, and he was in the Auteurs. And the Auteurs were a real cult band and critically acclaimed. And he was on a major record label. And he got paid quite well. At the time, you know, and it wasn't about like he wasn't on top of the pops and stuff like that. But because he'd cultural covet and was critically acclaimed, labels wanted you on it. Mm. And now all that's changed, you know. Yeah. But like if you're if you're looking at guys like Hubby who find it really hard to make a living off it, I mean, there's going to be nobody now who's 10 years old who says, yeah, I want to be a musician because they're they're never going to be. Yeah. It's never going to work unless they're... Okay, unless you're unless no you're direction or something, or something yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, I think you need to make a big, really... Like, a lot of bands we all... Uh, you know, I'm not... I don't know what all the bands you guys like, sorry for being presumptuous, but <laughs> all the bands that I grew up um, loving, like, even look at Radiohead. It took Radiohead one album at least to, to hit... You know, Pablo Honey's dreadful. Mm. You know, it's pretty poor. It's, but the yeah. Benz is a real step up. Yeah. But now they wouldn't get that. Yeah, they'd be yeah. gone after the first. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. they'd have creep anyway, I suppose, keep going. I'm talking <laughs> nonsense here, but... Yeah. You know, like the Manic Street Preachers Generation Terrorist, that would have finished them. Yeah. Right. You know, more, most likely, because you don't get the time to develop your craft now, you know? And, like, you could talk about even Richmond Fontaine. Um, I went to see the Richmond Fontaine in Waterford, the last ever gig, and it took them four albums, Willie Vlaunt was telling me, before they even found their sound, mm. or three albums, you know? So... It is worrying for the future, and it's worrying for, I don't know, like, uh, it'll be interesting to see what the effect, the knock-on effect it ha has in the arts down the line. Because it's different now, you've still got the hangover of people who are still going, even though their income's crumbling. Mm. But people people starting out now. Do you think that there's, like, obviously Lost in, in France is, is about the Glasgow scene. Yeah. There's not really a scene anymore, is there? Because, I mean, with, with everything online, it's just, it's kind of spread all over the place. I mean... It's hard to see anywhere where there's like okay, the Manchester scene, everything like that. Yeah, it's, yeah that's there's true. nowhere like that. There's not kind of hubs anymore. Well, I, I think don't. all the guys will tell you that there is a lot of good music still coming out of Glasgow, mm. but it's not like it was in, in the nineties. You know, like could someone like Arab Strap come along now mm. with that sort of music and like mm. get signed to a record label, not have day jobs, and like headline festivals? I can't see it. I just, mm. uh, it's like the film. I think. Um, there's a lot of anger in it and a lot of sort of um, fear about the future too. Mm. It's really interesting and unfortunately it didn't. It's not in the film, but it might be in a later version. The main guy, my the the main guy in the film, Stuart Henderson. Um, he's still involved in the label, but he he he's a fireman now. And this really? happened in the last while. Yeah, he trained oh. to be a fireman. He's forty six. Yeah, he wow. he always wanted to be a fireman, but in order to keep the label going. He had to step out of the way, so it wasn't a wage going to him. Now it's mm. just it's effectively been run by um, Paul Savage's brother Andrew, with right. with of course um, Stuart too. But um, like that's pretty amazing. That yeah. like you know yeah. like Chemical Underground to me, you're like factory, you know. Yeah. Mm. And they were based in factory, obviously, but like it's it's just shocking, and it's it is really worrying. Because even towards the end of the documentary, he does seem quite kind of 
wistful about the past and uh, and how the scene was. So he he kind of says the trip to Moran at the time he didn't mm. think it was uh, it, it was that big yeah. a deal, but looking back on it now, it actually was this this, this great line moment. Film, <laughs> um, it's a what? It's a danger line in the film. He says, "I I, I told you before, I don't know why you're making this film." <laughs> yeah, I actually have that written down here. Yeah, as a question. Know, he had no like, fucking idea why you were making yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> and um, but I. I I, I suppose that Stuart is very self-deprecating. Um, like when I first met Stuart, probably four or five years ago, we were sitting in Nice and Sleazy's and um, he said to me in front of like Stuart Burtwood from Mogwine, in front of Aidan Moffat and Oren Hubbard, he said, you know, Chemical have, have done nothing. We, we didn't do anything good. It's all been, you know, any anything that good that the label, that happened on the label hap- happened because of the bands, not because of us. And he says that in the documentary yeah. as well. It's and I realised that I'd have to bring him out of Glasgow and bring him back. And that his mood is obviously, it's caused by what's happened. Like he's there to cold face, you know, like they're, you're, you're watching something you've built up just fall apart. Mm-hmm. And um, like when Stuart says that, like the, I, 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 I would say I'm not trying to mythologize this trip back to France. I think it was a fun sort of device, sort of a non-fiction MacGuffin in a way to get the guys talking. Mm. But it's the normalcy of the France trip that, um, like, it's like going into Reling or something, you know? And the, a few times it's come up that, oh, but no one remembers, you know, anything really about that trip. But the trip isn't the point. Mm. It's about getting them talking about Glasgow and reflecting on their lives there and being able to, you know, have a group of people on screen that really anyone who's had friends would identify with the group and the mm. dynamics in there. Um, and most of us have had... had have friends, not all of us. No, sorry, but you know, you'd have to, if you're a prick, you've no friends. But most people, um, I think, will find a lot to see there. It could be a group of darts players, you know. It could yeah. be about a group of. But what's interesting is what's happening in the music industry as well, and changes like we discussed changes in attitude towards social welfare and stuff. Mm. And that was something that came up. I wanted to talk uh, with the guys about you know what's happening in the UK to sort of turn to the right and the rise, you know, the Tories back in power and all that mm. sort of stuff, and then. It, when we started talking about more, it became, I'd never really thought about it in, that, in those ways, you know? But like all the bands um, from the 80s and 90s, most of them would have been on Dull, mm. you know? And do you think that you would have been able to get the kind of same kind of openness from all the guys if you hadn't, if you had stayed in Glasgow, if you didn't no. take them on the trip? You don't think that would no, have? No, and, and a few people have said, oh, what's the point of this trip to France? Mm. And I would have been left, there's nothing wrong with it, um, but I would have been left with a more Talking Heads documentary with Archive. Mm. And, mm. They didn't want to talk about how great the whole thing was. We needed to bring—I need to bring them somewhere where they naturally themselves, real like Stuart comes to this realization that mm. they might be, you know, fiddled moving forward. But they did a lot of great things. Mm. And that scene where he's in the garden, where he says, "Well, I was in Bis, and I was in Mogwai, and I was in Magoo, and I was yeah. in Arbstrap," that's him, you know, come to terms with. Yes, we're going to lose all this probably, but we did some great stuff, and it was worth it. Yeah. And that's the, he's the most important character in the film in that way. Yeah. Um, a lot of the other guys would be less, less sort of, probably less down on the whole thing than Stuart would be. But Stuart's the one left holding the can. He was the one holding the whole thing up. Mm. Yeah. Um, the guys have other interests too, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting to to think about. Well, I I don't know how how all these things work, and some of the bands got big, and some of them didn't. Obviously, Alex Sopranos is with Franz Ferdinand, mm. but Franz Ferdinand weren't on Chemical. It was his previous band that were on Chemical, is that right? They weren't even on Chemical. Well, Chemical were only sorry, Chemical were were only one part of the trip. 
Okay. So chemical are sort of focal point end or mostly chemical bonds, but it was a Glaswegian sort of tour more, more than anything else. Oh, okay. So the film sort of doubles as it's about Glasgow music too, but I use chemical as the, the way in because that, that was my interest. Mm. Right, um, I see, okay. You know, I spoke to Stuart Mordock from uh, Bell and Sebastian about being in the film, but again, it was bad enough having six characters in it. Right. Like Aidan Moffat couldn't do it because he, was in, uh, he had his own film. Um, he was working on his own film at the same time and Aidan was my way into the story. But if Aidan had been in the film, I don't think you'd get anything what you get off of the other guys because he's mm. a very intimidating guy, you know? Right. And he's a real star. But the, when he pulled out, I realised that Stuart Henderson was the main guy in the story. But also, I realised that the other guys had stepped forward to play it a bit. Because yeah. Paul Savage, is, he's quite a quiet guy. Yeah. Um, and it takes him a while to get home when the cameras are on. But he's brilliant in the film because, you know, he's, he's comfortable with all the guys around him. Mm. I was really surprised by Alex Kapranos. He's a genuinely like lovely, lovely person for someone who's a rock star. Mm. But I think the fame came to him later. So I think yeah, he in no the film ego. he kind of he he kind of it's almost like he came out of his shell in the film. And yeah. I know it's because you kind of focus on him more closer to the yeah. end, but it, he there's no airs about him that he's this rock star. It, it, it's almost like he's he's a failed rock star and, yeah, yeah. and he used to be popular and now he's like, oh yeah, that was good. But mm. he's still, yeah. they're still really popular. Mm. Like, you know. I was doing a BBC uh, Five Live interview with him and he's really good in fairness because he obviously gets a lot of jip from people because Franz Ferdinand are popular and you know the way, like people have yeah. a go. You can't be and popular. The, yeah, you're not allowed to be popular. <laughs> yeah. um, I can be a bit like that, to be honest. <laughs> um, I used to be worse. Yeah. But um, um, the interviewer, I forget the guy's name on BBC, asked him, oh, do you think you sold out? And like, you wouldn't ask, but that's a really rude thing to ask. But anyway, it's probably a good question, but he needled him. But he stood up for himself. Yeah. And he's always like that. He, like, he's not, he's no pushover e- either, yeah, you yeah. know. He says that in the film as yeah. well. He's like, I, I don't know why we're popular. No, I do know why we're popular, because we make catchy yeah. songs that people yeah. like. Yeah. But I don't know why everyone else wasn't as popular. Yeah. Yeah, I do think there's something telling, though, about his hand on his face when he answers that question. Okay. I think there's something, um, it would be, I personally think it would be difficult not to feel bad. Right. Right, yeah. But yeah. I think a lot of the guys did well. Like, it is potluck. Of course. You know, it's like, I think Stuart says in the film, it's like those puggies you get in a, a you know, uh, arcade. You know, you think yeah. you're winning, and then something else comes along and just beats you. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It, it is like that. It's potluck, really, or it used to be. I don't know. Like, all the bands I like now, a lot of them are, are, are American and stuff like that, and you buy the records, so you don't see a lot of them live, you know? Mm. So I don't know what the... I'm no expert in the music industry, so I don't know. Who are the, who are the kind of bands you like at the moment? Um, the new Lamb Chop album. Again, I've liked like Lamb Chop since the late nineties. Mm, yeah, um, it, I'm it, trying to think of new. It's kind of easier in America, isn't it? It's such a bigger market. It seems to be. Yeah, if you tour, you, you can make money. Yeah, like people people can make money kind of creatively over there easier yeah. than here. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty obvious enough. And then if you're a superstar, like if you're a big, if you're you know Justin Bieber. Yeah, you're you, going to clean up. Yeah, but you can't you can't do that here. Really. No, you have there's to not the same it. audiences. You know, if you're yeah. an Irish artist. How are you going to get heard in England or in Britain or in Europe? Mm. And then you you tour, do a tour in Ireland, then you you can't do one for about four years or something because mm. you know yeah, yeah. You, you see it a lot. You know the same guys playing over and over again. Yeah, and they have to do it probably. But yeah. I, when I was doing um, um I was talking to I was doing some radio thing before I came here, and the guys were talking about fight like apes. Yeah, apparently that's what is stopped. Yeah, is it? Well, they well, they couldn't. They weren't making money. They couldn't yeah. afford it anymore. They, they couldn't. couldn't. They used yeah. to sell at Whelan's and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So it they're is. They're, they're a great band, like. Yeah. yeah. They'd probably sell out everywhere, Galway, Cork, whenever yeah, they play. Yeah, probably would, yeah. But how often can you do it? Is it? Yeah. I was thinking about this in terms and of. Gavin James and people like that, solo artist, Ed, Ed Sheeran, solo artist. You've a band. You have to pay everyone for if, yeah, Especially exactly, if you're yeah. a rock band, you know, you pay everyone equal or, you, you know. Yeah. Band. Yeah. I was thinking about it in terms of comedians recently enough because 
I, I think it used to be that comedians could, you know, do a few big shows or like say Tommy Tiernan would, would do 20 dates in a row or something mm. in, in Vicar Street, which is kind of unheard of for anybody else. But there was a switch a few years ago where they started doing every town in Ireland, you know, and they'd be doing mm. these tours for like for a full year and they'd be going to towns I'd never even heard of, you know. Yeah, but like I remember Tommy Tiernan played Dundalk. Mm. He played Ennis. He played my hometown before, yeah. and it's like. But he was doing like every he was, he was island hopping as well, you know. Yeah, he yeah. Was, yeah, you know. Yeah. And that's and I know they, they'd probably say, "Oh, we're doing that so we can bring our show to a wider audience," but it must be. It's more shows, isn't it? Economic, yeah. it has yeah. to be a financial show. Yeah, so. and, and a lot of the other comedians are doing that now as well. You know, they're they're going to the the towns where where it used to be that I think they would go to the kind of you know the capital towns of mm. of, a, of a county or something and let people come to them. Mm. But now they're kind of yeah. going to the people a little. I bit I suppose more. if you was the audience, like people aren't going to buy their DVDs anymore. Yeah, yeah, probably not. Yeah. And like Sleaford Mods, I think if you can establish some sort of audience, like they tour constantly. Like how many times have Sleaford Mods been here the last few years? And mm. they're supposed to be, you know, anti, you know, yeah, a, lot of, yeah. a lot of that sort of stuff. But they don't, <laughs> mi- they don't mind uh, playing, playing a lot of gigs. But, yeah, yeah. You know. So how how did you, like, w- did you know about this story? I, I, saw, I saw you somewhere, actually I think it was on the interview today, about it took four years to get this made. Is that? Yeah. Is that? That's probably quite short. Really, for a film, yeah. But is, is that story. the is that the kind of is that the it takes me logistics? Four years for everything. Okay. Well, just um, you, I met the guys, and then you're trying to find an, an angle on the story. You're not sure which you know who is going to be in the film, who's not, and it's all sort of up in the air. You're trying to find the story. Then you, you when you do find it, you go to funding agency like the Irish Film Board. I went, I'm lucky to great. They always fund me, and well, they don't always fund me, but they have funded me. <laughs> yeah. um, and Creative Scotland. I was lucky enough, a few years ago I was down in Cork um, with my first film, Martyr Save the World, it was about um, a guy called Luke Haynes who's in a Britpop band, oh, they weren't Britpop, a band called The Alters when Britpop was on the go. Mm. And he's sort of uh, a really interesting character and brilliant songwriter, I have to say. And he's in another band called Black Box Recorder, but the film is sort of about, in a market economy, if someone makes art for art's sake, how do you judge whether the art's good or not? That's basically what the film's about. And um, I was down in Cork w- with that film and I was asked to do a panel and I did... At the time, things went very bad with the production company I made the film with. I fell out with them, and um, the film has never been cleared for anything past festivals. Um. And I don't own the film. I don't. If I owned it, it would be out. People want to, you know, people want to see it. Um, but unfortunately, it didn't happen. Um, I'm still trying to get that to happen. But mm. It was a very difficult time, and I wasn't sure. I didn't get paid for the film really, not much. You know, two grand or something like that for four years' work. You know, and. When something like that, you know, have you, you know that bit in uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm where he meets uh, Surrogate Mom, and he uh-huh. she, she goes to him. They're, they're at his mate. She's giving her baby to Larry's friends, and they're sitting outside. He's he ends up outside with her for some reason, and she says, "Oh, what's it like being a writer?" And he says, "Well, you know, it's difficult. You write something, then these other people come along and take it off you, and it's not your baby anymore. And you're like, it's my baby. They just take it off you. <laughs> but it is really upsetting like that. Like I, I was very naive. I, I wanted a production company to. All I wanted to do was make make the film, and mm. I just out of college, didn't know anyone in industry, didn't know really how to go about making a film. Really, you know, I knew how to make it with technical side, mm. but not how you get funding. And I approached Alan Maher on the film board, a really good guy, you know, a good production executive for them. He's gone now, but he um, just he told me get a production company. Yeah. So I emailed loads of production companies, got a reply back from one. Um, you send them a pitch or send them I just sent them the idea yeah, yeah and I didn't get many replies we got a few I think I only got one and I was desperate to make the film and I suppose look on, on reflection the production company is probably more a production company a TV production company and right. there is a big difference um, in many ways between TV and there's many similarities but there's many differences in the way it's funded mm. 
and um, stuff like that. So I did all the leg work then, and we got um, you know the lowest amount of money the film board will give for a feature. But we'll, it's probably not enough to make a music film. Problem with music films is copyright. Yeah, it's really it's really expensive to clear any song, especially if it's owned by a major. Mm-hmm. And unless the guys have some sort of ownership over their music and they can help you and are willing to help you, yeah. it costs an arm and leg. Mm-hmm. Like really does. Um, we were lucky, like we have uh, Jacqueline by Franz Ferdinand's in yeah, the film. Yeah, I was thinking about that, yeah. And Alex, in fairness, phoned up, or we phoned his manager. He was in the same room at the same time and he said, give it to them for quite a good deal. Like, mm. not a lot of money at all. Right. But he's got that control, you know. Yeah. A lot of people don't. Yes. Um, so the film was cleared for uh, festivals and it, it hasn't um, um, been cleared for anything past that. So I can't show it. So it's very frustrating, you know, especially yeah. when you spend... You know, as I said, it's your baby. You know, and, and you then someone else sort of controls it. Then it's it's extremely difficult and difficult for Luke to understand too. Yeah. Um. And I know he's he he is very angry about it, and he's been very angry about it. And I am trying to sort it out, but it's been difficult. You fall out. You know, you end up having fights with people that you, mm-hmm. you really just wanted to make a film about because you 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 love them. You know, you love mm-hmm. their music. Yeah. So as I said, I was down in Cork and I was I was just pr- promoting the film, but I really. I, I'd been in Glasgow a week before talking to Aidan Moffat, but it was still very much, I don't know if I can do this again. It, like, it, it takes a lot out of you, you know? Yeah. Um, and I was on a panel um, for, first, it was like a talk for people who wanted to learn how to, you know, make the first film. And um, Nicky Gogan was on the panel with me, and Jonathan Holliff, he was, um, he made a film about Johnny Cash. His dad used to manage Johnny Cash. Right, okay. He's an American guy, and he's good in the panel. <laughs> but um, I'd, I knew of Nikki's film Sea View and Build Something Modern, but I'd never, um, I'd never met her. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know anyone in the in- industry. And we hit it off, and um, she asked me what my next film would be, and I said, "Well, I had this idea of making a film about Glasgow music, and that that was the only. You know, I didn't know what it would be." Yeah. And Nikki said, "Look, uh, we, can, I'll, I'll help you make it." And Nikki's a brilliant producer, and she's a brilliant filmmaker. But she, what's good about Nikki is, she doesn't let you down. Mm-hmm. Like everything she promised you do, she did. And um, mm-hmm. I owe her a lot, to be honest. Um, but then I. Um, she went to Berlin um, Film Festival and she met Paul Welch at that. And Paul has a company in Glasgow called um, Edge Edge City Films. And they yeah. made a film called Skeletons a few years ago. Right, okay. About two guys going around, businessmen going around with like something in their briefcase. But it's, it's a really weird indie film. It's absolutely amazing. Okay. And another film called Lore, which oh. was an Australian film made by Kate Shortland or something. I'm not sure about the name. But Paul would be, he's a, very, he's a good filmmaker, but he's a very good producer. And um, Paul just went, look, we'll make a creative, you know, co-production with Creative Scotland. Yeah. The two production or f- funding boards, the Irish one and the Scottish one, have a good relationship. Yeah. And um, we got a bit of money. And he, like both of them didn't let me down and everything he said to do, they did. So like really being a filmmaker is sort of easy if you need the right people to work with, you know. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise you're just a guy standing there pointing and chatting with no one around you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? And and at what point does this, does the, the moron gig come into it? Like, uh, oh, when I'd met Aidan, he mentioned it to me. And when I got home, by the time I flew home that same day from Glasgow, it's not for a long flight, but he had found a fanzine about it. Oh, okay. And emailed it to me. And it, it wasn't, as I said, it, the trip itself and what happened on the trip, even though there was some funny bits, football game, and it was about the fact that all these people were in the same place at the same time. Mm-hmm. And they all went on to do different things. Some of them failed... Some of them went on to be, you know, superstars. Some of them had medium success and some of them were struggling and some of them were doing okay. So you had the whole sort of gamut of different, you know. Yeah, but they all, all started the out at the same level, you know. But they all started out and mm. it just seemed like a good end point. I like to find a way in, like one moment and then from that moment you can have, have a look at the bigger picture, you mm. know. 
how important to the film is it to have the likes of Alex Capranos and, and Stuart Braithwaite in it? Do, do they Funnily enough, very, yeah. yeah. I don't think we wouldn't got it made otherwise. Right. And I think that's... I don't. I think that's a change too. You know, like as a filmmaker, it's difficult to have to talk about target audiences and markets and stuff like that. You know, because yeah, yeah. I watch films because I, I want to watch one. Mm. You know, I've never like one thing has come up. I think it's really funny. Like people, some people go, "Well, I don't know those bands, so I don't know if I should watch the film." But people want to see Sing Street, and they're all original. You know, yeah. it's a weird one. And yeah. if I made a, made a film about Nick Cave, you never hear people saying, "Oh, it's for fans only." That film, yeah, because yeah. everyone knows who Nick Cave is. So there's this weird. I think the film is, thankfully, um, we've been lucky with reviews, we've got mostly really good reviews, but the mainstream media in, in Britain, it's funny how they avoid the whole Dole thing and they avoid the whole class issue. Mm, and yeah. they go, oh, it's a film about a little trip. Yeah, But yeah. it's almost as if they have something to do with the whole attitudes toward those, both those things, which of course they do. Yeah. yeah. So it is interesting reading it because the, the one, the, then the sort of left media has always focused on the working, um, class. The working class element, the Dole uh, conversations, and the fact that there's a social, like the, the film is almost about Scottish socialism in a way too, and it's a sort of precursor to the independence movement mm. because they didn't they didn't want anything to do with down south, and everyone used to go through London, you yeah. know, and I think there's, I've noticed that there's a, like a real sort of London Glasgow thing, and you know, you, you feel it more in Britain, but you know, London does think a lot of itself, you know, yeah, and then you've the, sorry, go on. Well, I was going to say like without chemical uh, without chemical underground, they wouldn't. Probably some of them probably would have went to London eventually. Yeah, they would have. Yeah, yeah. If it wasn't for that, I think Biss actually did together. eventually. Biss went really? to a major eventually. Yeah, there's that whole thing in the film where Biss were the you know the the first ever unsigned band on top of the pops mm. because they were signed to Chemical. You know. Yeah. Um. And Chemical was obviously based on on Factory, which again was a very not a London thing, yeah. but something that wasn't run for business. You know, we've all seen Twenty Four Party People, like Tony Wilson was a disaster as a businessman. Yeah. But he loved, you know, what he did was amazing. And I think increasingly it's going to be more and more difficult to see those sort of things happening. Mm. Um, you know, Factory now is a, or Hacienda is a big bunch of flats now. Yeah. And it was, when I was driving here in the taxi, it was coming across, you know, you go through Rings End and through the city. And you can see they're getting ready with the cranes again. Yeah. You know, and it's, I, I don't know, money. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, just to, to kind of go back to that idea of the dole, like, you, you, you're... You're saying that the attitudes have changed. That what, like, in what way do you mean? Well, I suppose I mean um, if you go back to the '80s in Ireland, mm. everyone was on the dole. I was mm. talking tax driving away here. Him and all his mates were on it, and no one was going. You're jipping me. Mm. And now we very few percentage-wise people on the dole, and a lot of people who work, and it is because of the media, I think, think that they're getting shafted by some fellow sitting at home. Like, some, like if some fellow's sitting at home in the door watching daytime TV, he's hardly having a great time, is he? Mm. And how many people actually do that? Everyone I know in the door wants to work. But if you've yeah. done a master's in something and you, you, the only job you can get is working in a shop, mm. is it wrong for people who want better than that? And when does the government, uh, you know, responsibility into providing work for people come in? Mm. Mm. We seem to look at, like Tesco, make billions and billions of profits, but they won't pay people proper wage or give them proper working conditions. Now, I know there is an element of people who are on social welfare um, who psychologically is probably something wrong with them and they don't want to work, but it's a very small percentage. You yeah. go back to mm. Celtic Tiger when, you know, you couldn't go outside without getting offered a job. Yeah. It was the lowest possible, uh, like, and there needs to be a certain amount of unemployment anyway, but it was, like, everyone had a job. Mm. 
And I do think people want to work. But it's about like standard of living too. And if people probably like are to being stupid if they can get rent allowance, which is impossible to get, I think. But if you can get that and you're getting a dole, is that like would you want to go and work in Tesco if they're not going to look after you? Mm. You know, it's. A, I think people need to start realizing that the the people that are jipping working people or the people upstairs, it's not the person beside you. Yeah. Mm. Like something like tax fraud is massive compared to dole fraud. Oh, but yeah. the, the media talk about dole fraud all the time. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, I, I know, you know, there'd be no head stuff without the dole as well. Like, yeah. There's plenty of people that work. Mm, there'd be none you know. of my, neither of my films would exist without them, yeah. you know, without the dole. But uh, at the same time, I know I know loads of people who are on the dole, not because they want to be on the dole, but because they uh, they have done a degree in something and they want to follow that. Yeah. And, and then they're told they have to reskill when they go down to, you know. Oh, yeah. And so then I, it's like I, pretty I, depressing I, to be told to reskill when you spend five years studying something. I've gone, I've gone down to those social welfare meetings, and 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 they say you need to start looking for work, and I say okay, I am, and they say you're overqualified yeah. for everything we have. You yeah. know, it's like okay, well, I'm building a thing, you know, and yeah. and and there's lots of people, you know, trying to do something, make yeah. a film, write a book, yeah. you know, make an album, whatever it is. And what you guys are doing with head stuff, I think it's interesting as well because you're not encouraged in this country to go out on your own. You know, if you're an entrepreneur or something like that, and you like you don't get any dole, mm. so like it doesn't seem to be to engender actually people taking a risk I and think, then so I at the same time you're going don't take a risk but uh, but I don't know it's a weird one I think personally what I think the, the fault you know, but I can you know to you know, stop, <laughs> to get myself in trouble or anything but I think <laughs> the fall of the Soviet Union while well, communism was, was a farce and I suppose it was state capitalism in a way but it wasn't what Marx spoke about really you know mm. but um, when, it's, when that when that all fell and that was done away with there was no opposition and, you know, like Reagan and Thatcher and all their economics. Mm. Like, that's the norm now, liberal democracy. Mm. And there's weird ideas in there that, it, like, it's really, I think, proto-capitalism. And you've seen it since the, since the ni- late 90s in this country, too, where attitudes to, to the dole ha- have changed. Mm. And now people, you're not allowed to sit in it for a while. Even, like, if we, if people aren't given, like, if there's no sort of people are able to use the dole who co- don't come from, from, you know, backgrounds where their parents can maybe support them. Yeah. We're going to lose a lot of art, and not just music. This applies to all art forms. You know, film is very like that. Film is. I think um, I was talking to um, a guy in a funding agency uh, when I was over in um, uh, in uh, Copenhagen the last time, and he was saying to me that, you know, like guys come in or people come in with their dads, and the dads will write a check if there's you know fifty grand there to put that towards film. Right. And if you're up against that. It's very difficult to to compete, you know. Mm. How much do you think the government should pay for art? How much? How much of a budget do you think should be there for people? Well, in Germany, there's something like the it's like the uh, the the dole for people who are artists. Now, I think you have to have either you know a piece of writing published or two pieces of writing published or made at least one film, and that seems fair enough. Mm. Like it's okay to ask people. It's very difficult to get your first thing made, as you guys know. Mm-hmm. But if you do that. It's even more difficult then to go pick yourself up and go, right, I don't have a bean. Mm. My girlfriend's after leaving me. I can't afford my rent. Mm. Let's do this again. Yeah, you yeah. know? Mm. I think the people... Art's important. Uh, I think... And if if we're not careful, we're going to lose a lot of like really important art that... We're not going to have any stone roses. There'll be no oasis. There'll be no... Well, the rest of rubbish, but you know what I mean? There'll be no uh, pulp. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, pulp took them 15 years to uh, get to his and hers. Yeah. Do you heard the early albums? They're poor. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but they became one. Of the, I think one of the great English bands. And Jarvis know. Cocker, we'd we'd have no Jarvis Cocker. Yeah. So people, I do think we need a discussion about 
you know, what sort of society we want and do we want to give people a chance? Like, uh, the film is sort of, you know, a homage to people who, who take a risk and don't just settle, you know? What I love about all the guys, especially Stuart, and all of them, to keep going even though you're probably not going to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they keep going. And I think that's important. It's kind of making art for art's sake. Yeah. It's kind of what you mentioned before. Yeah. I, 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 want, I don't want to misquote the man now, but I'm, this is what I think I heard Paul McCartney once saying about, he, he was talking about art and, and basically government funding. And he was, he kind of doesn't really believe in it. He was kind of, it was something about if, if the people aren't, don't want it or aren't paying for it, then it doesn't have a reason to exist. Mm. So it has to be good enough that people want to pay for it. Yeah. And then you're into weird questions then about what is good. Yeah, is well, yeah, if exactly, if yeah. something's popular, does that mean it's good? Like you've got sun, it used to be, it might be anymore, but it used to be the biggest selling paper in Britain. Yeah. It's not, I wouldn't say it's the best newspaper in Britain. You know? <laughs> well, no. Yeah. So you have in that weird thing, like Boys Own, they were popular. Yeah. <laughs> what are you trying to say about Boys Own? Nothing. I thought they were very good. They're, so they're the Bo- anomaly. Boys well, Westlife were very good. Uh, <laughs> is that the subject of your next documentary? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, need some, I need to make some money. Like, yeah, it's like Morgan Spurlock, um, you know, he, he made that new, di- are they called New Direction or? No one, di- one Direction. No Direction. One, one Direction. One, one, one Direction. direction. Yeah, he direction. made their documentary, didn't he? He made their documentary, yeah. yeah. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, he directed okay. it, yeah. Right. Um, but he surely, like, what, supersized me and all the other ones. I would have thought he'd be fine, yeah, but yeah. there's the there's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I remember John Cassavetti said, um, you know, the p- problem with Hollywood is that they offer me loads of money and I really, really want to take it. Yeah. Like, it would be, I'd, I'm not saying I'd turn down, you know, someone comes along and tells, you know, you do an ad for returning arsenic into a baby food, will you do the ad? <laughs> <laughs> and they went, no, no, I'm, I can't do that. And then, oh, well, here's two million. Yeah. Yeah. You know, might do it. Yeah. You might find yourself with a pseudonym. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, big time. <laughs> <laughs> and and ha- for you, has it always been documentaries? Do you do you have Well, yeah, so far, or? yeah. Um, I, I'm I'm working on my... Um, I'm writing a film that I want to make. It's sort of a... I'm not sure if, it'll be, if it can be a documentary. But um, documentaries are more sort of achievable because you have... You know, the budgets are more manageable. You can actually get them. Yeah. Um, like fiction films cost a lot of money to make so I don't know but ideally I suppose I'm quite young in the gra- I'm not young in like actual life but I'm young in uh, filmmaker's life, filmmaker's life uh, you're young of. enough <laughs> young enough yeah <laughs> I, s- I saw a picture of me in totally Dublin uh, today on the website and I look like a, a, a 40 stone you know you don't realise you got, you've gotten old <laughs> my face is all like wrinkly and stuff and, like, and I'm only 22 you know I saw, I saw that I'm picture not. you look better in real life oh yeah <laughs> thank you <laughs> So what is your next project? Is it um, well, I'm making a film with Adrian Crowley, um, the Irish singer oh, right. and songwriter, um, and it's about it's about creativity and um, hopefully we're going to have other Irish artists at different points of the career in it. But he's got a new album coming out this year, and he's been doing really interesting work with the Crash Ensemble, the avant-garde um, uh, classical group or contemporary classical group. Contemporary classical? Can you be contemporary classical? <laughs> I suppose you can. Yeah, um, if, if classical now is now a genre. It is, yeah. Then you, yeah, yeah, cla- yeah. So we. Um, I'm making a film with Adrian and we're writing it together and uh, that should be interesting because it's real um, it's just a film about creativity and about why maybe people do what they do mm-hmm. and when possibly it's not the wisest thing for them to do you know right. Yeah. Um, but also as well I, I think it's important uh, we're going to try and demythologise the sort of idea of the artist because I think everyone is inherently creative and that's another thing we get told that oh some people are special and they can do art and, mm. and other people know but you can't mm-hmm. but everyone is creative and I think that's been taken off people and 
um, you know, when you're kids, everyone draws, everyone plays around, everyone has like plays that play out with their toys and stuff. Yeah. And when you lose that, I don't know, you probably, oh, it'd be interesting, to, like a bit of happiness might go, go away with that too. Yeah. So I think it's important to, to remind people that everyone can, like it's not, it's difficult to make a film, it's difficult to make a good film maybe, but how many Hollywood films are good, you know? Mm-hmm. We all get told these people are talented, but I don't know. Yeah. They, they definitely create a lot of jobs, I suppose. They do, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> but I do think people, it'd be nice if people could just, you know, were given a bit more time. and You know, because people have no time to reflect anymore because they're just worried all the time. Mm. Mm. And have you funding already? Yeah, I was lucky enough. We got funding for that, yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I can say where I get the funding from right. yet, but it will be announced <laughs> soon enough, I think. But, um, yeah, we've got... A, it's not a lot of money to make a film, but it'll be hopefully enough to make it. And um, after that... I um I'd love to make a film about Weapon Boy. I'm talking to the, I was talking to Paul oh, yeah, Page yeah, yeah. about it, so I think I I will try to do that. Just um, but the Adrian film is supposed to be the last part of a trilogy, um, rock trilogy. Yeah, okay. and then um and sort of about like artists living under the sort of changing climate mm. that because uh, I think it's interesting because we came along before the internet, and the internet is a big thing. Yeah, and well, even it's, in it's defining, it's the big thing. Yeah, yeah, it's changed everything. Like, oh, these industries went from being viable industries that, like, I wanted to be a journalist, a music journalist. That was the first thing I wanted to be when I was growing up. And then you see that go. Mm. And, you know, like, even being a um, a filmmaker now, I was lucky when I got in, to be honest. I was lucky because Simon Perry was in the film board and Alamar and stuff, and they were taking still taking risks on people. Mm. And I, you know, I didn't, my dad was a teacher, my mom was a nurse, and, you know, like, we grew up comfortable, but there wasn't, you know, we we weren't rich it wasn't like my dad would go you don't have to get a job and all this And yeah. it, you weren't getting that 50 grand check no exactly mm. so it's been um, I was lucky that I got my first one made when I did you know mm-hmm. um, it would be difficult now for but then I, I wasn't clever I didn't go I'll go I'll become a cameraman right. or an editor right, or something like that because I'm not talented enough to do that <laughs> but that's you know if you're clever you can still find a ways of making good money off the industry but if you want to go out on a limb by yourself and like I, I'm, a, I'm known as a writer director a lot of produ- production companies don't come to me and go oh will you make uh, this TV program for us yeah. or anything like that so you're, you're, chasing, seen as you're a bit chasing of, them like. you're sort of chasing them or you uh, at the minute unless I come up with an idea myself and then I get a lot of help with that idea after I have it but unless I come up with an idea myself I won't get to make another film mm. and then you put ec- extra pressure on yourself and you're like worried you're going Oh, I have no ideas. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, sometimes you get writer's block. You guys know too. You know, it's like yeah. difficult. Do you have a little notebook with you? You write down your ideas as you yeah, walk I do. Around? Yeah, I try to. Yeah, and then you look. You know, do you ever do that when you're either drunk or you just you have? A, oh, this is a brilliant idea. Yeah. You write it down. The next morning you wake up and go. Whoo. <laughs> <laughs> and is is it is is music your kind of uh, muse or whatever? Like, is the fiction film you're talking about as well? Is that is that no? That music? won't be. But I'd like to approach it like you sort of. 24 party people thing even though it's about a historical character that's mm. why I don't think it could be um, a straight documentary because the guy there's not a lot of footage of him and he's not um, I I would normally say the name of the the, the, the the historical character but I'm just I just don't give away your ideas because yeah, 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 yeah. we'll know. start making it yeah but that's why I don't think it could be a documentary because you know like a documentary about someone who's not about anymore mm. It's just boring. Yeah, you know, yeah. People talking about him and they didn't even know him. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to, I like the Bob Dylan, you know that Bob Dylan film, I'm not, 
Yeah. I'm there. not I'm not there. there. Yeah. I know some people thought it was a bit much. I thought it was really, really, really good. Yeah, I thought it was a really interesting good. way of doing a biographical film. Yeah. That's um, one that I haven't seen. That's one of all the different actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I, th- I think you'd really like it. It's very interesting. Mm. Yeah. You mentioned the internet and how it's kind of a defining point. I know that Stuart says in the, in, in uh, Lost in France that it's the end of an epoch mm. and start of a new one. I mean... We didn't know. Um, that's come up once or twice. Not often. But I wanted. I didn't want to tell the audience what exactly. We had loads of stuff about the internet. Mm. But the people that are watching the film, are, we've all done it. We've all taken part in, the, in this thing. Yeah. And everyone knows what's happening in the music industry. So there's no point. I wanted to give... It's nice to give the audience a bit of credence, you know, and a bit go... You know, I'm yeah. sure you can work it out yourself. Yeah, yeah, Someone yeah. asked me, "Oh, why didn't you say it was the internet?" It's like, yeah. well, you know, it was anyway, don't <laughs> yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, but I think, like, I was thinking about bands, say, like, okay, '90s into the early 2000s. They're really the last kind of generation of bands like that, aren't they? Yeah. There's never going to be. Like I remember in college and when it started. Remember when the lads started having all his music on a hard drive? Mm. And it, to me, it just seemed weird. And yeah. still, I like buying CDs. I like buying records. Mm. It's nice to have something. Yeah. And I don't yeah. like listening to music on, on on a phone. Mm. Um, I do think because we were around like we've been around before the internet and that's a big thing like I look at my little brother and he's like like he's not very techy but he's on Twitter and Instagram at the same time and they're all like it's all I don't even know what Instagram is supposed to be doing I'm on (laughs) it but I don't know what people keep on tagging me and stuff I'm like what is this it's like but even the, phys- of Twitter. even the physical forms, I was in a friend's house the other day and yeah. they had a DVD collection up on the wall. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I walked by, it's like, you know, I haven't actually seen a wall full of yeah. DVDs yeah, in yeah, somebody's yeah. house in I don't know how long. Yeah, yeah. But even I, the same thing, I used to work in a, I used to work in a CD store yeah, back in, yeah. uh, in my hometown. I used to love the same thing, flicking through the CDs, yeah. pulling out the, the cover and having yeah. a look inside. And liner notes and all this sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I think it's something that... that and like all those... Like I was, I remember being in HMV the day it was closing down there, not... It was the last time it opened in Henry Street. Yes. Yeah. It was fucking depressing, man. Every mm. CD was at one quid. Yeah. People yeah. were like climbing over each other. And at one point, this young guy, a few years younger than me, turned around to me and I, he went, this is weird, isn't it? And I went, it's fucking depressing. Yeah. And there was a lot of people saying that at the time. Because you're basically watch, you're, you know, taking part in music being reduced to nothing. Yeah. Like I got, I, I went and I bought some, I got to like 25 albums for 25 quid. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I might as well just gone over and fucking not kill the musician <laughs> while I was at it. Probably still get more than to do from the streaming side. True, yeah, that, Even if it's yeah. only a euro for a CD. Yeah, I don't think to get anything like that. It's a know? crazy industry at the moment. It is, yeah. But but do you see the the streaming sites like are, are they the enemy or are they? Well, a lot of the guys who tell me say they are. Yeah, Spotify. It, um, any of the guys I know would say Spotify are and they do their best trying to keep their music off it. But Apple it, Music, I think, is similar too. I don't know. I think Apple might pay more. I'm not. I don't know. Right. I've just been told that Spotify, they make nothing off it. Mm. Yeah, but is it not, I mean, before Spotify or streaming services came along, it was people were just taking it for free. Well, there was nothing, yeah. And You're now right. they're paying something. Yeah, Which You're is, right. maybe no, it's the first point. step. You're right. Yeah. yeah, but I personally would be hopeful that there has to be something because otherwise there's going to be nothing there. And we'll come up with yeah. something. There, ha- there will have to be, so- but I think people need to talk more about, like more, as a society we need, maybe it's not the most important thing in the world, but what happens, people, when they sit down behind a computer with the internet? Mm. And it's not just stealing music or file sharing, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. It's abuse on Twitter. It's yeah. like, you know, I, I see, you see these guys online and they're all like, I'm oh, Mr. Big Balls, you know? And if you know them, you're like, he won't even say boo to a ghost. Yeah, yeah. And they're sticking it up to people and all this online. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, There's some sort of psychological disconnect happens. And it's the anonymity. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're protected. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And it's the same with stealing music. Yeah. Um, but then there's something 
like maybe as I say, it's a first step. As in, you know, another failing industry, if you want, is 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 the media. Mm. Right? So newspapers are failing, yeah. right? But at the moment, because of all that's happening with Trump and you know the fake news, and he's calling the media the the enemy of the American people, the New York Times has more subscribers than ever. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because that's people brilliant. are like, we need to protect these institutions. Yeah. People are subscribing. And they say like every every subscriber to a newspaper like that is worth five hundred euros or five hundred dollars yeah. in in terms of the lifetime or whatever. Mm. So, but there is a pushback, and even you said mentioned about buying records, mm. the vinyl sales are gone up oh, yeah. massively as yeah. well. So that uh, I think uh, every other format last year, yeah. yeah. So or this year or something. Yeah. Maybe maybe something happens. Maybe there's a a, a Trump that's going to hit the music industry. Hopefully, and, yeah. and and it'll either make like Spotify realize they have to pay artists more, or maybe it will somehow unite artists and so yeah. they just get off every streaming site until one pays them fairly yeah. or something no, like I that. Th- I, th- I think you're the right. The problem is that you need to get the popular artists to go along to with do it. that, yeah. which they won't. No, which <coughs> won't yeah. Because yeah. They're, they're a business. They're and the uh, major record labels are still, they're they're fine, you know. Yeah, yeah. But they're all owned by the same people. It's all owned by the one, you know, pretty much all the majors were owned by the same people anyway. So they're then it's just sort of up, like, yeah. yeah. Didn't one of them come out recently? Was it Warner? No, it was Universal, was it? And they said... Um, we're done with you know they used to do the kind of uh, featured only on one streaming site so somebody would come out with a new album and it's like only on Spotify for a week like yeah. Radiohead um, their album wasn't on last album wasn't on Spotify oh yeah so I signed and up to Google Apple Music to get it Apple, and yeah, Apple I'm, I'm on Apple Music all the time yeah Spotify's and probably like better Kanye West's new one was only on Tidal you know that kind of thing Tidal's the that's the one that's owned Jay-Z by Jay-Z oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah did any of that take off did it that title? Ah, no, it's that's the one that seems to be most struggling. And uh, Jay Z just sold his half of his shares or something. But oh, really? but anyway, um, it was I think it was Universal Music that came out and said we're not doing that anymore. That that doesn't work and it's a it's a bad idea. So you know, so it, their stuff isn't on. No, it, instead of just saying we're only on one, or they're on th- all of them. I think okay, I think that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. But uh, you know, it, it it's it's like it's almost like a liquid time in in music, and it's like something is going to change. Yeah, and it just hasn't firmed up yet what it is. Yeah. But as you, as you say, and what the film is about, it, it just can't stay like the way it is right and now. And the way forever. we knew, the, the sort of music industry we grew up with, um, the film is sort of a love letter to that yeah. period, you know? Yeah. And that time. Because it was, it was interesting. You know, I, I didn't have a mobile phone until I was 21 or something. Mm. Yeah. Now I can't imagine not checking my phone. for. This has been really difficult for me not checking my yeah. phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For well, long. You know, feel free. Um, yeah. But there's going to be a vacuum left. That's the problem, I think. That if if the music industry doesn't doesn't get sorted within the next 10, 15 years, there's a whole generation of bands like all the guys in yep. in Lost in France yep. who won't be there. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll feel that because yeah. the, like it won't be like you know like you know where you go to a festival now and you go to say Electric Picnic, you could have gone to Electric Picnic in the late nineties and it'd be the same, the same lineup, same bands. Yeah, yes. and I think that's telling. Yeah, I think there's something in that. Yeah. Like I go to Primavera most years. I'm going to Porto this year. Uh, Apex Twin is the headliner. Mm. And like there is, it's interesting. I think some art, like some um, dance music, seems to be a bit, bit different. Yeah, uh, like well, techno and stuff some, like that. Because those DJs, it's yeah. one guy, and then they play like District Eight, sell it out. You're flying, yeah, you know. They're already making fortune from that, that scene and, is still there. Yeah, I think and if any, some on. of the the likes of FX Twin and Square Pusher and guys like them are kind of some. I think they're some of the few artists who are actually kind of pushing the envelope a little bit now. Yeah, they are. You know, Did you say Flying Lotus? Uh, Flying Lotus yeah, as well. Yeah, 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 big time. Whereas, okay, like David Guetta and stuff like that, maybe not so much. You know, yeah. those kind of um, the pop DJs, oh, we'd that's, say. That thing at the oh, yeah, that's what I mean. I should say that. I'd mean more the sort of esoteric stuff. Yeah, yeah. Dance like, mu- I shouldn't have said dance music. Some of that. Dance music. But like, actually, you mentioned Warp Records in the documentary. They're quite a 
Yeah. yeah, a little bit progressive. In Sheffield as well, yeah. Yeah, not as much as they were before, but... But still, I suppose, I, I, it's interesting they had to get into film production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they make, like, really, really good films. I think, um, but Flying Lotus, who's on Warp, he made a film called Cuso. I was saw on the his trailer Sundance. for it. Oh, well, <laughs> have, you seen, have you seen it? No, it was, I saw the trailer. It was on yeah. in Glasgow and, um, like, people were... People left. Leaving people getting and, sick like, and everything. There is that thing where is that does that mean like it's probably rubbish, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I'd say it's it's pr- apparently very, very sort of disgusting. Um, but Warp haven't picked that up yet, right? So that could be. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's interesting. I think like that's one thing. Chemical, I know we're trying to do, and did did actually. They were involved in this thing called East End Social, right? Which was um, um, the comic games running in Glasgow, and there's money. Going around to so the whole idea was East End Social. East End of Glasgow is quite um, run down. It's where the Barrowlands is and Park Parkhead and yeah, it's been out Park. around that area. And it's yeah. a bit rougher than the West End, so mm. very, a lot rougher and a lot more you know poorer. So the idea was to have gigs in these places that normally wouldn't have gigs, and then attract a bit of investment and maybe you know get a, you know the places being a bit sort of gentrified, mm. or probably the wrong word, but um, and they were involved in that. But I think that proved very difficult too. Yeah, it is you know because. There's something about um, like you put on events, uh, Alan, and like how do you find it? Like, is the appetite out there for people to pay money to go and go to things like the head stuff lectures and? Um, yeah, well, people people come. We have Peter's been at probably most of them or a good few mm-hmm. of them anyway. Um, uh, yeah, we started kind of with a bang, sold out the first three, and then it's it's been a bit of a struggle, but it's because it's monthly, so people don't come every month, I yeah. suppose. Um, more people are willing to pay for live events, I think, than they're willing to pay a subscription online. Yep. So there's that aspect of it. Um, yeah, I, I, I think there is a, there is a certain appetite uh, for still for live things. People just getting out because you get out and you meet people, you talk to people. There was uh, that report last week about how every it's thriving the live entertainment thing. But I just always assume that's like, Sorry. you know, you go into the Mercantile or something. Yeah. There's some band playing, uh, you know. I always assume it's that sort of what they mean, but obviously they mean the whole, like gigs still. I think gigs are doing very well. Still yeah, they seem to be. Yeah. Well, it's the only thing that that's keeping bands going, really. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, they're if they're not surviving. But on I think sales. again, that's a little part of, the, of what we're talking about vinyl and stuff like that. Mm. Is that I do think people are kind of sick of looking at their laptop screens, and I, I think, think there is yeah. a, a certain yeah. element of people who who want to get out. I was talking to a guy today about. Um, so Martin Scorsese's new film has been picked up by Netflix. Yes. Uh, the, oh, Irishman. the Irishman. Yeah. 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 And somebody asked me, he goes, is that the is that the end of cinema? Uh, of going to the cinema now that like one of the biggest directors in the world. Mm. I was like, it's not because people still want to get out and, yeah. and, and do that Anytime thing. Anytime I go to cinema, it's nearly full. Yeah. 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 And yeah. you can't really, like, you know yourself, I can't watch a film at home anymore. It's, mm. it, there's something, that's why anyone, you know, who, wants to see my film I'd you know I'd prefer if it came to cinema you make it like it's not a TV program you know you make it to be watched in a room yeah. where it's quiet and people and concentrate can, and the music you can hear everything like, yeah, yeah. Mm. like the the iFi um like we we the Mogwai bits in, in in the film they're wonderfully loud you know and yeah. it should be heard on a yeah but the Mogwai live gig is just a oh, phenomenal experience it? like yeah. so it's brilliant that that kind of wall of sound it's amazing yeah, yeah. it's yeah. brilliant yeah um, but yeah, no, you're right. I think I do think there will be. I I I agree with you. I think there will be. There is has been a response anyway, and we're we're seeing the beginning of it. I think yes. But I think Peter's got a point as well about we're going to lose a lot of things in between. We figure mm-hmm. this out because it isn't going to be quick. Yes, 
I, well, I wonder. Yeah, I know definitely. But I wonder: is there is it possible that because it's so difficult for these up and coming bands now, it's like the other artists in the past who have had to, you know, struggle through something when everything was against them, mm. and they somehow overcame it or survived it, mm. and then make something amazing afterwards? Maybe we maybe we don't know that's happening. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. yeah. Well, the best of the best will come through that, but yeah. I'm, I'm the rest will. Outing myself as an optimist here. Aren't I? <laughs> no, but you're right. No, and it, 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 it's important not to get overly pessimistic. You know. Mm. But yeah, I, I and the live the live stuff. I mean, I, I agree with you as well. Like in one way, heads of lectures has kind of kept head stuff afloat for the past yeah, few months yeah. because it's the only money coming in, really. Yeah. You know, um. So it's so it's really important that people come out to heads <laughs> yeah, of lectures. Definitely do. And and the same for your screening, um. Which is wh- when is the screening on? Uh, we've won Friday night in the i fi and there's uh, not Friday night. It's actually six fifteen. It's on because we have a gig with Emma Pollock and. Or I'm Herbert afterwards, they're going to play solo set each and then probably oh, play together in the Workman's. Okay. And that's after the gig on Friday night. Then on Saturday, I think it's on at five o'clock or something like that in the I-Fi. Okay. I need to, I'm not 100%, but it's on in the I-Fi on Saturday. Okay. And then we're going down to Cork Saturday night with it, screening it in the gate. Emma and Hubby will play in the cinema. They'll play in the I-Fi too for a while. Right. And then we'll go, we're going to Lep. Afterwards, which is an hour and a half away, apparently someone told me it's like that out in County Kerry. In it's apparently it? Mitchellstown. Oh, in right, Cork. sorry. But it's an hour and a half away, so we're running a bus from the cinema in Cork to Lap, and then bringing anyone back who wants to go back. And there's right. a, a bus trip in the movie. It's amazing. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's, right. it's all, all about buses. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, we'll and then Sunday, sorry, Rushing Dove. The gig is on in Rushing Dove, and the screening is on a quarter past six again in the Eye Cinema in Galway on Sunday. And are you going to be running the film now to a couple of festivals over the summer? Or do you uh, we're in Copenhagen, CPH Docks, um, which is my favourite festival in the world, really, apart from the Irish ones and the Scottish ones. <laughs> um, <laughs> at the end of March, and that's the international premiere of the film. Right. We launched last week. Did I talk about that? In Glasgow? You did a simulcast with Yeah, the and the Mayrons, oh. um the band that has formed at the end of the film, the Mayrons played with Emma Pollock as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they covered, like, Jesus and Mary Chain songs, um, Pastel song, played a Jacqueline and played Alan the Tree by Trout. Yeah. And I have to say, it was like in the ABC, we 800 people had it and it was really? unbelievable. Like Alex Sopranos, Stuart Brightwit, Paul Savage on drums, R.M. Hubbard playing bass, and Emma Pollock doing, and you know, them all singing and stuff. Yeah, and what yeah. Just seeing group. all them together was unbelievable. Yeah. I have to say, yeah. It really was. Yeah, yeah. Do you get nervous at the screenings at the at the festivals when you're on you're yeah, um, the credits roll? At yeah, the I do. Irish ones especially, yeah. Really? Yeah, because people are. It hurts when people, if people don't like, and I, I'm not stupid enough to, re- I make stuff that is very, like, my Luke Haynes film, not everyone's going to like that, you know, he will annoy some people, or I might annoy some people, or mm-hmm. my opinions annoy people, you know, I, I don't expect everyone to like it, but I don't want everyone to like it either, you know, Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a fur fans only thing at all. I think anyone, as I said, who's ever had friends or anyone who's tried anything creative, it's about people who are trying to do something mm. and the increasing difficulties they face mm. as time has gone on. But I don't... Um, like, a, mu- a music film is about people, really. You know, the music is sort of secondary in a way. Yeah. Um, I've always felt that way anyway, but... Um, no, I forgot what I'm talking about, sorry. But there's something... There's something I, I don't like the word magic, but there is something magical about music that brings people together. There is, yeah. And there is yeah. there is a reason why for thousands of years people have gone to look yeah. at music and to stand and listen to it. You know? I think there was um, uh, some journalist, um, was it the Observer, 
She gave us a good review, but she said that, oh, when Stuart Braithwaite starts talking about how music is magical and unquantifiable, it's like, oh, yeah, big deal. It's cliche. Yeah. It's like, but it's true. Yeah, there is you something, know, you know. You, like, there's nothing worse. To, like, you can't actually talk about music in an academic way, really. It doesn't get to the, the point of it. Mm. And yeah. that's actually one of my favorite bits when he says that, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't. It's funny. I've just been. It's been interesting seeing. I think the film. Um, it's been really good for me, and it's been an amazing experience. But getting to meet and work with Nikki and Paul, but getting to meet the guys in the film, you know, they could have been fucking arseholes. Can I swear? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They could have been arseholes, but they weren't. And they were even more so than that. They were just the most generous, open, and kind people I've been lucky enough to meet. Um, and they really give everything to the film. And they did that because. The film is like sort of, the, as sure it says, the end of an epoch, you know, mm. and it's it's about that to, that time that we all grew up at, and you know, it it's just um, it is sad. I think there is a lot of melancholy there. I think so. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Towards the end, you kind of feel you're not going to see this again. This yeah. is this is not a scene that's going to happen again, unless uh, as we talked yeah. about, unless there's going to be a radical change. But then, somewhere. of course, it's probably going to be different as a result. You know. Mm. Yeah. Whatever happens, I think it'll definitely be different. Yeah. But like you know, someone like Grimes, you know that. Mm. Yeah. Um, I went to see. Her playing the Olympia last time she was here. Yeah. Um, I, someone got me in. I didn't buy a ticket. Was sold out. But um, felt like a rapist in a Barney suit. I tell you, it was or a pedophile in a Barney suit. Is that the phrase? <laughs> Everyone was really, really young. But she's brilliant. Mm. Yeah. But she is real, like you know, one man show. You know, really, she writes it all herself. I think there's still scope for those guys. Yeah. You know, the democratization of the digital, you know, medium and all that. But for bands and stuff like that, I don't know how you do it. I really don't. Yeah. Even if you're good. Yeah. Yeah. And they are good. Like Yeah. There's loads of good bands out there. I've seen, you know, you go to sometimes, that's why every time I go to a gig, I try to go and see the support act because you can be constantly amazed. Yeah. But then sometimes I've seen them, um, countless bands we see a few times and then they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And a lot of good mm. ones. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I know a lot of people in bands that y y from the outside, you look at them and they're very successful, mm. very popular, yeah. well known, and they all have jobs. Yeah. It's like, Jesus, you know. Oh, big time, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even filmmakers, I mean, it's uh, another kind of tough industry to kind of break in yeah. and keep going. But well, that's definitely something we wanted the film to be about, myself and Nicky and Paul, that um, it reflected our own struggles in making stuff, you know. Mm. Mm. Because it takes a long time to make a film, and um, the minute the film screened at Edinburgh Film Festival last year, I, I had to take a job in the civil service. I've been in it the last nine months, and it's been brilliant, and I work with good people, and it it's kept me going. But it's very difficult then to come home and go, or I'm going to work on that script. Yeah. Because you're yeah. wrecked, you know? Yeah. So you're trying to get a balance. And I suppose that um, it is, it's just, it, it, it's, it was always difficult though, I suppose. But it just seemed more achievable back in the day. And, you know, a lot of filmmakers, like Martin Scorsese, I know that this society is very different, but Martin Scorsese's parents didn't even go to, I don't know if they went to school. Right. You know what I mean? And people from that sort of background could go on and become one of the top directors in Hollywood. Mm. That wouldn't happen now. Yeah. Mm. I don't think so. Anyway. Maybe I'm being overly... No, I think you're right. I think... Um, I think what means to be working class or lower middle class or middle class now is very different from what it did mean. Yeah. Like the working classes then, you could still go on and end up the head of St. Pat's College, you know, on the way in. Or, you know, there was, you could end up the head of a company. Mm. Now, if you don't have school, they won't even let you in the door. Yeah. Mm. Do you have filmmakers who you, documentary makers, that you... Um, Julian Temple was a big one. Yeah. Because he took music documentary seriously, and that was um, 
something that I, you know, because music documentaries are the only type of documentaries that get the, the type, the subject matter put in front of them, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. And I don't, don't really, like, it's fine, but I don't really get that. Like, a good film is a good film. And as Goddard said, all, in, in a way, all good films are documentaries because they're documenting some form of truth. Mm. And we mentioned that earlier, you know, the, um, Peter, you were talking about objectivity in documentary, and it's real. It's real misnomer in many ways, isn't it? It's real, like missing the point completely, really. Yeah. Um, you know, looking for truth. Mm. But even the filmmakers are have to be subjective. But even the viewer is subjective as well yeah, in terms of what yeah. they take from. We it all bring our own, you know, prejudices and stuff to, towards you and points of view. Yeah. Um, other filmmakers, um, Guy Madden was a big one. Just like doing his own thing again. Any more Guy Maddens? Like to say there'll be no more Jermushes. Yeah. Like the, that's a common thing. They the, yeah. the, hear that often, and people love going to his films, but nothing happens. Mm. And you can. It's easier to make a film where nothing happens and are brilliant films. I say nothing happens, but I mean that, that there isn't the same sort of narrative react structure. Yeah. He's going for something else. But I've found that I've made films that nod in many ways to the filmmakers I love. Yeah. And because I haven't been doing it for a while and don't have a reputation for doing it, I get accusations thrown at me or criticisms that I've never seen for the same sort of things in other people's films. Like, right. if you're Jim Jermush, you're Jim Jermush, you can do what you want. Yeah. If you're Niall McCann coming along, you know, being people go, oh, he's a fucking, you know, little prick. <laughs> you know, it's more difficult to build up that body of work because... Yeah. I remember coming home from a uh, film festival in Lisbon with my f- first film and my father, I met my father, I was living at home at the time and um, my dad said, how did you get on? And I said, well, I've, I've discovered the last cultural taboo in Europe. It's an Irish person trying to do something sincerely and seriously. Right. <laughs> well, like, oh, you're going to do something funny, you're going to say something funny. I had an Iranian filmmaker say to me in, um, in Trondheim in Norway, we were having dinner, with, I was, Michaela Baff was there, you know Michaela Baff? No. He was like sort of... Um, He'd be like Kurostami in an Iranian film, but he left. He had to go to France. Right. Okay. But so it had all these exiled Iranian filmmakers. At if they were given, they were you just giving talks and showing yeah. their films. And I was lucky enough to have dinner with them because Michaela is a big deal for me. But um, there's a guy from London there. He lives in London. Iranian guy, I forget his name. But he said to me, um, "Oh, you're Irish. Are you drunk yet? Yeah. <laughs> you know, started dinner. Yeah, yeah. And I was going to go. Are you Iranian? Are you? I don't know. <laughs> what I could say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, the sort of you know, if you're Irish, there is a thing where oh, we're Irish. But yeah, if you're yeah, French, yeah. you can make, um, you know, due to uh, or goodbye to language. By like, imagine an Irish Goddard, no chance. Yeah, yeah. What about those guys who made um, Rocky Road to Dublin? They were French, weren't they? Um, Ralph Coutard, yeah. Peter Lennon directed it. Ralph Coutard, who yeah. shot all the Goddard films, came over, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he never made a film again. Really? That was obviously because of the subject matter, but he never made a film after that. Really? It's a brilliant film, best yeah, probably best Irish film. It's fantastic, yeah. I think yeah, that and Garage and um, Lenny Abramson stuff's very good as Irish stuff, particularly. Yeah, mm. yeah that's true. That's somebody uh, again, as you're talking about. You know, they don't take Irish seriously. Like, he's a very serious filmmaker. He's a very serious filmmaker. It's, yeah. Um, but even I suppose, like, I know a lot of people who watch Adam and Paul and think it's hilarious. You know, mm. and there is funny elements in Adam and Paul, mm. but it's not. It's such a it's a dark dark. It's film, a dark right? film. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's brilliant. Yeah, Garage particularly, I thought was. Really Garage is, is, is probably one of my favourite Irish films uh, of all yeah, time my, same here, yeah. and actually the screenwriter Marco Holleran is from the same town as me oh brilliant yeah and it's he's based kind of based on a, on a character from from my hometown I heard you well. said that it's yeah. a, so it's a really it's, it's an amazing and story and like Calvary the sort of the you know the way in Calvary which um, I think 
I'm not a fan of McDonald's films, but um, Calvary, there's no nice characters in it. Mm. Mm. But in Garage, he gets it right. You know, I know, I know, I you know, Dundalk is obviously a bigger town than than that. It's not a village, but you get the same sort of thing, you know. Mm. And there, there's those characters who you know don't want anyone to be happy and don't want anyone to do well. But it's tempered with good people, and he has that in Garage. And in Calvary, you just have everyone's horrible, mm. and yeah. life isn't like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is. It is like a play a bit, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it is like a play. Yeah. Very highly dramatized. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I found it not, as you kind of said, not representative at all. I no, I felt, and it was lauded very much in Britain, but not, not so, so much, much here, not so much in Ireland. And I yeah. thought that was interesting. I thought the Guardian review of it said it's about Ireland and how Ireland's like a broken pavement mm. um, where people are tripping over because and don't know what to do with themselves because of the whole abuse scandal in the church. You couldn't have got. A race of people to deal with something better <laughs> than we dealt with all that stuff. Mm, yeah. Like we should all be in like you know in, in mental hospitals <laughs> yeah. going like we you know how many people trusted not us but well you know I don't know if you're not religious or not but how many people in older generations trusted the church with their life mm, and then mm. this came out and they still go to church or maybe they, they stopped going yeah. but they did it quietly and they dealt with it you know yeah but the, the whole it's a very West Brit film and it's a film about like London Irish people I think who think we're all these little paddies going around the place, you know, yeah, with comely yeah. maidens and stuff. Yeah. Um, I think you see that McDonough's work, the other McDonough's work too, but I think in Bruges, he's about a filmmaker, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you don't watch Seven Psychopaths. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we should probably... Uh, just Before I finish my career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should shut you up now. Yeah. Uh, no, I think we should probably just uh, finish this, but uh, maybe just, uh, just to finish off, don't normally do this, but any advice for... I suppose just creative people. I, I, I've always, you know, there's always this thing where I've been called by many people something like arty farty, mm. or people think creative people are layabouts, or yeah. you know, they've, they're trying to live a dream that. And you have to work your arse off. Like you actually have the to. The hardest work. working people I know are all creative it's, people. Yeah, mm. it's incredibly difficult, and yeah. you don't get any sort of uh, pay for it. Yeah, and people who aren't creative don't realize how hard creative yeah. people actually have to work. Um, I just think people should, you know, you need to believe in yourself because other people won't. Mm. And just keep going. And if you want to do something, try and do it. And it doesn't matter. Even if you fail, it's about trying, you know? Yeah. Um, fail, fail again, fail yeah, better, all that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I always quote one of my documentaries, the TV one. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a great quote. It is, yeah. But at the, at the time, David Norris had used it when he got um, knocked out of the presidential race. So everyone just thought it was because David Norris oh, said right. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit tainted. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I think that's as good advice as any. Just keep going. Yeah. Keep trying. Yeah. Cool. Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thanks so very much. Thank Thanks for having me on, Peter. Thank you. So that was Nal McGann. Uh, as, as I think you'll probably agree, sound man, very interesting. Uh, he has a lot to say about the arts, uh, mm. supporting it, music, uh, film, all of that stuff. Um, we know as, as well as he does how difficult it can be. So do get out and support. Um, as I said, he's in the, I, the film is on in the IFI. Uh, on Friday at quarter past six, on Saturday at 20 to six, in Cork in the gate at half six, and on Sunday in the iCinema at 6.30, they're the 3rd, 4th and 5th of March, 2017, if you're listening to this next year or the year after. Um, so uh, I really enjoyed that. I hope you had fun, Peter. Yeah, it was great. A great, uh, great talk. Nice documentarian to talk to. It is. Lovely, yeah. man. Um, so thanks a million for coming in and, and being part of that no uh, thanks to Niall for coming in and uh, thanks to Glenn Hogarty for setting it up and thanks to all you guys for listening um, we'll probably do more on this podcast I think uh, still figuring it out but you might as well stay subscribed and if you're not subscribed subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts leave a review and then share this podcast please uh, everywhere 
Okay, thank you. Good luck. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.